every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. And to find out more about our ministry projects worldwide, go to our ministry website, 18catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. And I am your host, Mike Falkenstein, here again with Ken Watmore. And Ken, you are in your office, and I'm here at the 1-8 Catalyst office, and we're trying to do a uh, remote episode. And I think we have a little technical difficulty, but I think we got it figured out. You're with us still? I'm with us, and I'm with, yeah, I'm with you. So. Uh, I, think, I think the bugs are worked out. I think we're good. That's funny how that happens, and we try to we try to do these. And you know, we have so many ways to connect remotely like this that it's amazing that we still have problems. But anyway, right. we've got we've got an exciting episode, Ken, because uh, you know what I thought we could do is, as people are learning more and more about One Eight Catalyst uh, Ministry, we've got a kind of done a shift from. Bible distribution amongst the Han Chinese, you know, the majority people group, uh, the world's largest Bible printing press is there in Nanjing, China, printing out Bibles for these people. But what a lot of people don't know and what kind of what we've caught on to is that there are, are an additional 150 languages in China that have no portion of scripture. And so God has clearly been moving us towards clearly been moving us towards the work of Bible translation. And so I thought what we do is talk a little bit about, not just for our ministry, but for all, the, all those who are doing Bible translation, translation. And I think the reason that that always comes up in a question is, I actually think, Ken, I don't know if you get a sense of this, but I, I get a sense that there are a lot of Western Christians who think that, you know, certainly by now, the work of Bible translation must be done. Uh, do you get that sense? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think you and I talked not too long ago about the fact that there are several places that don't have the Bible in their own language. And I was actually surprised that their number was still as high as it was. Yeah, and actually, the uh, you know, we're, we're working kind of in our, our sweet spot of China, which is where I've done a vast majority of my Ministry. So they're just in China, there's 150 languages, but there's something approaching maybe just over 1,900 languages worldwide that still have no portion of scripture. And as we'll see in this episode, it's such a valuable work because really, honestly, very few, very, very little ministry can take place, you know, amongst those people. There's no Bible translated. So Ken, how does that sound for an episode for today? 
That sounds great. I can't wait to to be on this side of the of the phone with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can I picked out sort of in terms of answering the question why Bible translation? I've picked out seven things, so we'll see if we can quickly go through them. And in the process, hopefully, we'll be educating folks on kind of the work of Bible translation and what it really is and, you know, what it involves. And so we start off, of course, Ken, with probably where we should, which is as the Bible is translated into a person's what we may call a heart language, right? The number one reason is that lives are transformed, of course, right? And you know, you and I know this. Most of our listeners know this, that really the Bible is the best tool we have for becoming more like Christ, right? With God's word, then as they get, as, as entire communities get the word in their language, they can find freedom from uh, sin and fear and selfishness and destructive behaviors. And really, I mean, it's really kind of that guide, right? We know Psalm 119 is that the word is a lamp to our feet. And yeah, that totally makes sense, doesn't it, Ken? I mean, we need the Bible in these people's lives. And when we do, all kinds of incredible things happen. Right. I totally agree with that. I mean, this is God's living word. It's relevant Mm -hmm. now to each who reads it. It's it's funny. It it seems this happens all the time when you and I are talking. But just even last weekend in church, you know, our, our pastor is talking about the fact that we can't just look at the history of the Bible, but that this is this is a book that is pushing us forward, not just looking back, right? So this is God's living word that that drives us into our future lives with Christ, and it's relevant as we walk with God to guide and shape our steps, and so he's continually speaking to us through his word. Yeah, that's right. And you can imagine not having that in your own language and kind of the uh, Void, right? You know, that that right. would leave. It really is true. So the second reason, Ken, is that you know in a lot of places I know, like the translation project that uh, we're working on now in China, is there are some Christians amongst this minority group, but very few. They actually have to go to a Mandarin speaking, Mandarin Chinese speaking church. Their their heart language is what we call the Tiang language and the Bible gives these these local church leaders, you know, and lay people a strong foundation, you know, with it. They can learn how to live as a community of believers and watch out for false teaching. And as we'll talk about in a bit, you know, Ken, there's a bunch of other things in terms of understanding who God is, but certainly for those people who have come to know Christ, but for them not to have a Bible in their heart language, they're just it's just not going to be yeah, kind of going back to your, what you said about it being, you know, this living word. They're just, they don't quite have that strong foundation, right, Ken? Yeah, I think that's true. And it, it does amaze me how God, you know, we hear stories continually of how God works in in these unreached people groups, and he reveals himself to them and, and has, obviously, the, the Bible tells us that, you know, we we have evidence of God even in front of our eyes every day, right? So I know that that happens, but I do think that God God gave us his word for a reason, and he tells us to go preach the good news for a reason, and where we hear the good news is what we've learned through his word. So, I, you know, I, I don't think we can escape the fact that the Bible is necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. 
And Ken, the third reason why we, we, we really value Bible translation is kind of a, a close brother to what we were just talking about. But, you know, the third reason is that the story of really who God is finally makes sense. And, you know, around the world, actually, you know, many people speak three or four languages. They speak one at home and another maybe at school or church and yet another in the city. And actually in Sichuan province where we're working, we actually see that. So the national language of all of China is what we'd call in English, this Mandarin Chinese. But at home, they speak Chang language, you know, but they may not truly grasp something until it's in the language that they know best, usually the one that they grew up speaking, you know, which is the challenge for us as Bible translators to really figure out what is their heart language, trying to assess what the real language situation is. And so the story of who God is really does make sense. And I guess for you and I both, Ken, we have to just sort of imagine what that would even be like, right? Let's say that we we took Spanish in high school, <laughs> but and I'm trying to think of an example. So if there was a Spanish Bible, you, we could understand some of it. But if there was no Bible in English, of course, certainly thing, parts would be missing, wouldn't it? Yeah, we do, it wouldn't be made clear, that's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to try to put myself in that kind of situation where, I mean, because, you know, for English, we've got whatever, 30, you know, probably more, 30 or 40 or 50 different translations. We have tons. But, you know, thinking about reading a Bible in a language that you know partially, but not, I mean, just that would be a different thing. You could pick up some of the story, but you're not going to get it all until it's in your heart language. So, right. um, yeah, that's interesting to think about. So, and I think, you know, for our, at this point, we have one project, we hope to be able that God would give us others, but, you know, as we're talking to young Christians, you can just see them lighting up kind of this idea of a Bible in their own language. And interestingly, now that we're officially involved in this, I don't think that we're going to have to motivate a lot of these Chang Christians to be involved, right? I mean, it is their heart to really understand the Bible completely in their heart language that will motivate them to participate. So, yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. So, Ken, let's talk about, Ken, and hearing you talk, I think, you know, this sentence of, he's not the God of, of a different language and culture, he's your God. Is poignant because I'm just remembering a few stories that I've heard over the years about the tribe in South America who didn't even have a name for God. And so to have these translators come in and go, okay, what's the closest, you know, to work with the local people and to give God a name in their language, sometimes where there wasn't one, man, that has to be so powerful because now it's, in their own language, they can make the connection. And yeah, it's really interesting to think about that. But it's uh, valuable work. And obviously, we're just getting started. So excited to be involved. So thankful to the major organization, Bible translation organization that is helping us. And I'm just really excited to, you know, to continue to see how this goes. And Again, hopefully we'll get good enough at it that we can be doing it in a lot of places. So, so Ken, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, 
we'll have, um, you know, of course we'll have Tom, our friend Tom Muller speak to us. And then uh, we've got three more reasons why Bible translation. And then we'll have a few conclusion comments and we'll go from there. How does that sound? Perfect. Good. Thanks everyone for joining us. Give us just a minute. We'll have our friend Tom Moeller come in and say a few words and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tom Moeller. There may be many of you who are confused about China and the most effective ways of Christian engagement. Mike Falkenstein has written this book for you. There is much confusion and many questions persist about China. Does persecution exist? Can Christians in China worship freely? Is it still necessary to smuggle Bibles? Being outside of China, how can I most effectively pray for and engage in God's work in China? Are China's unregistered churches able to worship freely? Many people are confused by these questions and issues. China is like a huge puzzle with many pieces and moving parts. It's hard to identify all that's happening today in China. In his book, The Chinese Puzzle, Mike gives you the other pieces for a much clearer picture of China and her church. To get your copy today, contact Mike at mike at chinaresourcecenter.org for pricing and shipping options. Contact Mike today. Well, Ken, so good to hear from Tom. He's such a good friend, and I think we've talked about this before, but uh, when you were over at his radio station, you did you... You get to know him at all? He's sure a neat guy. He is a neat guy, but you know, I actually didn't get to know Tom well. Well, I, I shouldn't even say well. I know Tom a little, but not from that. I know him from going to China Resource Center dinner. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where I got to know so Tom and his wife better. Yeah. Oh, great. So did you guys sit at the same table? We did. Yep. We absolutely did. See, that's and then because the of the yeah, and because of brushing up against him at the radio station when I was there that, you know, led to an easy conversation. We were like old friends quickly. Now, oh. we don't, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I just know he's a wonderful man. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Cause since you guys had that shared experience, I'm sure you guys became quick friends. So, yeah, well, that's great. Well, so Ken, we're on to reason number five that in terms of this why Bible translation question. And this is a, reason, uh, Ken, that I'm really just sort of gaining some understanding about and learning about. And as we, you know, travel to Sichuan province and kind of do our own, our own investigation. But, you know, the reason number five is that people who are, you know, in this, in these minority groups, in these groups that don't have any Bible translated, really gain pride in their identity. And so for many minority groups around the world. And I know this is certainly true in China. Feeling inferior is common. And so I'll use the the China example. So the majority people group, which is like 93% of China's population, is a people group called the Han Chinese. And the Han Chinese certainly sometimes ignore or mock or discriminate against some of these minority groups. You know, for these minority groups, their language might feel insignificant because it isn't spoken in school at the Capitol, or even in church. Now, of course, we hope to change that once there's a Bible translated into Chang language, but, you know, certainly having a written form of their language and a book as important, certainly, as the Bible can help people see how valuable they truly are. And I know when I was in China in November, again, I'm using my own personal examples, even the local government who is run by this 
by people in this minority group, they were very interested in even officially sanctioning our Chang Bible when it was finished because there are very few books written in their language. And so to have a book, again, a book, especially a book as important in the, as the Bible written in their language was a pretty big deal. And you can imagine having a language that's, you know, where there aren't a lot of books to have a, a book like that is going to be a source of pride. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And so it's fun. It's fun. I know that's the case around the world and, you know, where I think a lot of places there are official languages that the government have said, these are the official languages of our government and of our country, but that's not the language that you speak at home. So you're really, what that means really is then you're being forced to speak a language that's not your first language. And so to have a, um, a, a book like the Bible, and we hope to be able to do a Jesus film and other things too, certainly is a source of pride. The sixth reason Ken, is somewhat similar to the fifth. So the sixth reason is that people learn how to read and write. And from our friends on the ground with these major Bible translation organizations, part of what we're finding is that when you really do this well, you're not just translating the Bible. A lot of times having the ability to read in your own language can sometimes help you get a better job. Certainly there's educational opportunities that Maybe you didn't have, you know, even something like learning about health or agriculture or your current events, adults to be able to write letters themselves rather than having a child write, write for them. And I've been doing the research, Ken, I saw a uh, UNESCO report that literacy can even uh, raise a person's uh, self-esteem and uh, empower them to take action in their community. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, there's just, I mean, it really opens up a whole new world, right? When you're now able to to read in your own language and be able to, because, you know, translation teams, when they get good at translation, they can translate other things too. So right. depending on what the, the local people will tell us, you know, again, we can translate. If they say, yeah, we really need our people to be able to read about AIDS or, you know, we can't tell yeah. them about it because they don't know the other, their first language as well as they need to. I mean, you can see where there's just kinds of all, all kinds of opportunities once they, once they're literate in their language. Right. Right. Absolutely. And boy, I'm just really excited to see, you know, what God will do in our situation. And I mean, it really is then actually goes to some of what we've, what we've talked about, Ken, in terms of reaching people for Christ, right? Just entering into their situation and getting to know them. And in this case, we're actually sort of, okay, what, you know, what do you need help with in terms of literacy? And uh, I can only imagine that that will build bonds strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, you've seen it before. So you've been a witness to this in the past. So I think that you're you're bringing a lot to this effort, right? That you've watched the, the Bible be translated in someone's native tongue before. And, you know, you visited these places where people really did need help in, in so many areas, you know, health, certainly in literacy. You've, I mean, you've worked with people like this in your career in ministry. And I think the, the icing on the cake probably was 
um, when you were you were able to see the Bible translated into their native tongue. I mean, what I, I know I've watched so many pieces of photo collages you've put together over the years with these people mm-hmm. receiving the Bible in their native tongue and the the look on their face, the joy that they're mm-hmm. experiencing is something that I don't think anyone can really imagine unless you're right there. Yeah, that's right. It's been fun to be involved. And so Ken, uh, we had number six, which is people learn to read and write. And then number seven is kind of the, the twin to that, which is that actually, in terms of why Bible translation, actually people are healthier, actually. You know, sometimes the translation team will cr- uh, create simple and practical booklets. I kind of mentioned this, but this takes this a step farther. They mentioned, uh, they, you know, they might translate uh, practical booklets on malaria, hygiene, clean water, you know, maternal health. They might also give basic medical care or, or train local people. And interestingly, Ken, when I was in terms of this thing of that people are actually healthier, a United Nations study found that a, this is interesting, a 1% rise in women's literacy is more likely to reduce children's death than a 1% rise in the number of doctors. That's Hmm. interesting, isn't it? That is, no question about it. Kind of the idea being that as women in particular, because in a lot of these minority groups around the world, you know, women are not educated in the same, with the same veracity as men, that, boy, you just teach these women how to care for themselves and their, their children better. It's actually, it's a better strategy than bringing in more trained doctors. And so I just thought that was really interesting. So Ken, as you think about these seven reasons, give me kind of your summary, what kind of stands out for you, what stands out for you in those seven points. So actually through all these, right, I'm, I go back to maybe the first and the, the fourth and fifth points, right? So there's lives are transformed. Um, the story finally makes sense and it connects to their hearts. I think mm-hmm. after that, if, you know, if I was, if I was trying to put them in some kind of order or how I would, I respond to the, to our notes here that you put together and everything, I would say that the mm-hmm. next one would be like the, the local church is strengthened, right? So first the, oh, right. the lives are transformed. All of a sudden they, God's word is revealed in their language. They can, they start to understand it. It starts to make sense. They get it. They can. They can now read more about. I mean, someone. Someone likely shared the gospel with them in some way or fashion in their native tongue, and then to be able to translate that that whole entirety of God's word for them, so that now that they can read more into the story, they can relay that into other people in their own tongue, and they're sharing mm-hmm. the gospel. What they're called to do. Their hearts are connected to the Lord as he continues to reveal and shape their lives through his living word. And then as a result of that, the local church is strengthened and grows. I think I'd, you know, I'd just go back to the way that God's word is always changing our lives and shaping us. So, and, and that's in an understanding that we have access to God's word here. Uh, it's too easy, yeah. you know, and it's so easy that we, we don't pay attention to often, you know, but uh, that's right. I think that that's a, I think those, those are the bullet points for me probably to take away from that. Mm. Yeah, I would I would sort of second that and just say that, you know, obviously as a as a guy with a heart for the Great Commission and willing to see at least be praying that God would use me to use our organization to um continually finish the task of the Great Commission. Obviously, you know, without the Bible, those lives are not going to be transformed and people won't be reached at the same level and 
I've heard from others who've been doing this longer that you even just get the book of John translated right, and into right. an audio form. I mean, just, just one book and they just start with yeah. one book and then it just changes everything. And then you think about having the whole Bible over time, you know, that's such a valuable deal. Well, of course, uh, for those listening, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this. We're on Twitter. Um, Ken is at, at Ken Wattmore, and I'm at Missions Mike. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for joining us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of 1-8 Catalyst, of course, you can go to our website, 1-8catalyst.org. The 1 and the 8 are in uh, word form. And so we'd love to have you connect with us and join us if you're interested in uh, partnering with us. So, Ken, thanks for this episode. I'm, I'm thankful to be here with you. And yeah, we'll look forward to having everyone next week. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast. <laughs>